Parenting's hard, you don't know what to do. You're blaming your kids, but it's probably you. You love your kids and that you can trust. Just remember your kids don't suck. Welcome to your kids don't suck. Cultivating closeness with your children through non-coercive conscious parenting. We're your hosts, Kara Tedstone and Rathia Lee. Let's dive in and grow together. So, Kara, there's certain topics that are radioactive for people. Like it just sends people into deep reactivity and sometimes even a trauma response and rage and like deep authoritarian uh, programming. And one of them is screen time. I'm not sure why that is so triggering for everybody, but um, I noticed that it is. And so I've just been really scared to talk about it um, on our podcast because it's one of these issues where people kind of black and white the whole issue. It's like a hard line, like, nope, that damages kids' brains. That's end of the story. I'll never do that. You know, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so if I tell my story about how that is not what I'm doing, I guess I have this fear of just turning people off to the whole bigger message. That's one thing. Another thing is, and this is really tricky. I feel like there are some kids who genuinely love structure and they thrive on it and they like it. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, sweetie, this is what I'm offering. Let's do two hours of screen time. I don't know, in the afternoon. And then you could do a half an hour before bedtime and the kid will be like, great. And that could last for years without a child having a problem with it. And I'm totally down with that. I wish sometimes that my child was like that, but that is not how my child is. My child is hyper, hyper, hyper sensitive to being controlled or managed or told what to do. And it's not like with her, I've never been able to just do non-coercion a little bit. It's never like, we'll just do a little bit over here and a little bit over there. And I don't know if kids can even do that. But once you give my child a taste of choice, um, collaboration, mutuality, she's like that. She just gets right. She's on that train. She's like, wait a minute. You can't tell me what to do. We, we decided we're collaborating. You you decided I'm a whole person with my own opinions and I get to have a say. And no, I'm not going to do what you say. That's not right. That's not what we're doing in this family. And because that's the culture and that's what we decided we're doing, controlling your screen time doesn't make any sense, you know? And I don't want people to think like, you should do it how I'm doing it. I don't even feel that about this whole podcast. I don't feel like anybody should do it because I'm doing it this way. I'm saying... This works for us. And especially if I'm working with the underlying principles of non-coercive, conscious, collaborative parenting, um, which is that I am not the authority and that we are collaborating and negotiating. So therefore, I in, in, in my home, I actually can't really set limits for my child. I can make suggestions. An example is, you know, we basically go to sleep by midnight every night. That is not my preference. I would not, I do not want that. That's not really what I want, but it turns out at 11 o'clock at night, my daughter tells me all of her deepest feelings. So I've decided that's what we're doing. I'm, I'm sacrificing that last hour or two of sleep in order to be close to my kids. So that's one thing. And so there's a larger trust that my daughter, though she might appear to be on the screen, like a lot, like more than most people would think is okay. I am trusting the long arc of her regulating herself, which, you know, if you control the child in your home all their life, they eventually, hopefully, you know, they grow up and they leave your house and then they have to experiment with all the stuff anyway. 
every single person is going to have to figure out their relationship to their screen. Everybody has to figure that out, whether they do it during childhood or, you know, same with food, same with sleep, same with exercise, same with friendships, same with boundaries, all of it, all of it. And so in this lifestyle that I'm doing, my daughter is figuring that all out while she's with me so that I can give input and guidance while she's with me. So Last night, she said, you know, I'm not really into our nighttime schedule of sleep. And I feel like we're finally at the place where I was like, I don't like it either. (laughs) Really find it hard. She said, I would like to be going to bed earlier and getting up earlier because my schedule is so different than all my friends because, you know, she's a homeschooler. And so we're going to keep talking about it. Now, if I was controlling it, to be like, yeah, let's change it. What time do you want to go to bed? All right, let's do that tonight. Let's go to bed at 10. And then uh, that wouldn't work for my daughter. As soon as I come in and start trying to control the whole thing, she's out. Then she'll start resisting me. Then she'll really want to stay up late. And then we're in a power struggle. So mm-hmm. that's, I don't, it's not how I operate. I go, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't like it either. What do you suggest? And she said, yeah, I want to go to bed earlier. I said, okay, let's talk about it again tomorrow. That's it. We're in the long arc of exploring. So it's the same with screen time. Well, at the beginning, you said that people are so triggered by it. And my immediate question was, what is your, what, what triggers you about screen time? Do you think I'm like very- your own personal, yeah. Your own personal um, response to my daughter's on the screen. Like, what does your brain do? I have to say in all of the non-coercive work I've done in all these years, which is six years, the screen time has been the biggest, hardest trigger for me. Yeah. I want to know um, why, because I know it's, it might be obvious, but I'd just love to hear what does your brain do when you think about that? <laughs> There's so many parts. One is just the thing that everyone feels is like, oh my God, my child is frying their brain. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's, this is very bad for her. She should be doing other things. She should be getting fresh air. She should be moving her body. She should be making art. That's a big one. Now, the thing with my daughter is as soon as she's with friends, she's off the screen or they're making really fun videos together. But when she's with people, she puts her phone down and we just, and she plays, you know, it's not like she can't be with people. And she gets into lots of things where she puts her phone down. Lots and lots of things. Yesterday, she decided on her own to go on a bike ride. And I always have to take note, like, okay, my kid's doing that on her own. I didn't tell her to do it. She's doing it. She's 11. Mm-hmm. Like, that's amazing. Then she said, I want to get up early. Mom, I want to get up early this morning, but tomorrow, she said last night, because I want to do some self-care. That's miraculous. Adults can't even do that. And that's all because of what this lifestyle that we're in, this mindset, because she is experiencing what it's like to make her choices. And she's evaluating what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And she knows that I'm right there to help her with whatever change she wants to make. Okay. But back to your question about the screen. So first it's like, yes, she's wasting her time. Okay. That's the first thing she's wasting her time to what everybody says, like you should read the science. It's hurting their brains, like literally messing up their brains, their eyes, their, you know, their pathways, the neurological pathways. Hmm. So there's that. And then, then it's the material that she's watching. I mean, my, my, when my daughter, when I first took off the stop on the screens, she started watching sitcoms. It's so funny because I was very triggered by the sitcoms. And now the sitcom seems better to me than what she's watching. (laughs) Anyway, she'd watch a million thousand sitcoms of every kind you could think of, but they were all completely, I felt, deeply sexist and racist, homophobic, just the worst shit, like the worst body image, terrible shit. I mean, I just like, oh my God, I'm like, this is what is programming my daughter's brain right now about what's normal. And it has, it has programmed her. I mean, you know, she has all the internalized fat phobia. She, she's got it. She's got what it means to be a girl. And But the thing is, 
we talk about it. We talk mm-hmm. about it. So she knows what sexism and racism is and homophobia is. And I'll be like, where are the gay characters? Can we talk about, are there any gay people in this sitcom? And she'll be like, no. I'll be like, are there any people of color in the sitcom? And she'll be like, well, there's this person. I'm like, oh, is that like, you know, the best friend who hardly ever is on the screen? You know, like, well, so I'm, I bring it, I, we analyze it in a context. I don't just like let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's getting much more into queer material now, you know, um, as she gets older finding, well, there are more shows now mm-hmm. that have queer people on them now, thank God. And not, not even enough, but it's starting. Um, so that's the thing. So it's like, it's ha- how she's being, the material itself and then the time that she spends on it. Well, I, I will going to challenge you a little bit, the only because you said all that, but then you had a rebuttal for each point. I did. Which is, yes, which is, which is telling me that in some way, even though you're worried and the trigger, the fear is there that like it's limitless and it's endless and it's taking her away from life and living and material and da da da. You have a rebuttal to every single one of those fears in the way that makes you like a really conscious, attuned and intentional parent so that you are supporting her still, even though she's using the screens for entertainment and for connection to basically my point is, is like, you're telling me all these fears. I hear you. I a hundred percent agree. I'm with you. I think the same thing. Like I am totally on board with what you're saying and it resonates with me. But at the same time, you're talking about all of that as if you don't then think about it and engage with her and still keep the conversation going and explore other ways of engaging in life together and have conversations and do all the things at the same time. I feel like your fear is telling you like screens are bad because, 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 and then you're kind of doing that black and white thinking there, but really you're not acting in that way. You're not behaving in that way. Like you're still using screens in your family life in a productive and educational way. And even when it's not, it's no big deal because you do other things too. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Thanks. That's a real reframe. I feel emotional talking about this because the underbelly of choosing to be a non-coercive parent is that the relationship becomes more important than the things. Honoring her autonomy is more important to me than even how scared I am about the screens. That is really the essence of this podcast, I feel, in this work, is like what you're prioritizing. It's not that people are wrong and that they're concerned about screens. Mm. It's just they make that more important than their relationship with their kid in some way. I like, for example, I have so many friends with all their kids, their screen limits on every single parent that I have, they, their screen limits. Like I have a, have a best friend and her daughter gets five hours a day and then it goes off and she can't get on anymore. Mm-hmm. So her daughter has to figure out what five hours she can use. And again, I don't judge that. That's fine. That's great. If that works for their family, great. But you know, the kid sneaks. Like I'm telling you, I spent so much time on the computer with my neighborhood friends. We would go and co- come over and play on the computer, do Neopets, dolls, just games, like ki- games for kids. So, you know, all the kids kind of played around on there and there was no screen time limits. It was like, great. You guys are on your, on the computer playing around. Cool. Like there was no talk of the damages because it had just come out. And I can guarantee if, if I was 12, 13 years old and my parents said like, you're only allowed five hours a day on the computer. I would have been like, I'm going over to my friend Haley's then and I'll be over there playing on her computer, like right on. And I would leave the house and I'd go to my friend's house. If that works for you and your family and it eliminates um, power struggles because you have this rule that you've just kind of said it's a non-negotiable and your kid is like, all right, cool. And it's not worth the conversation or the fight. If your kid is like me and wanting still more, your kid will go and find it. 
I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I see with my friend's kids is they sneak it. That's what I'm they saying. And then when they get their own phone, who the hell knows when they get old enough to have their own phone. I mean, right. Have you heard of the wait till eight thing? Wait till grade eight to get them a phone or to get them on their own computer uh, and stuff like that. Uh, it doesn't work for the majority of kids because they're going to go and get their friends or the other thing about this is that kids feel really, really left out when they can't, you know, game and go on the discord chats and they can't use Snapchat and they can't text. Like it's being on screens. A lot of experts will say that are not non-coercive experts, like child development experts and other child therapy types will say like when you prevent your kid from accessing screens or you limit in a way you'll come into conflict because of the social isolation, not because of the screens. Like it's a completely other topic in conversation. It's not about the screen at that point when actually the majority of their socializing is done online. Unfortunately, in 2023, that is the reality for most kids. It doesn't have to be, unfortunately. I mean, I hear you. Right. I do believe, I do believe in face-to-face, you know, socialization. I, I'm yeah. really into that. And my daughter has play dates like constantly. So it's happening. But I don't think it's unfortunately, you know, she plays games with people that are all over the world. Yeah, it's OK. I, I don't have the same judgment, but I, I just get so much judgment that I feel defensive. I do. I guess I do have some internalized doubt and I have to keep reminding myself what my priority is. I have to look at my child and say, how is she, how is she doing? How does her brain seem? Well, tell me that. What do you think? How do you think she's doing? I think she's doing great. I mean, I see her really trying to tune into what works for her yeah. from the inside out, not from because I approve or disapprove, or disapprove or because even what her friends are doing, but because of what things feel like. She did recently decide she wanted to try to put some screen screen limits on her own phone. Then she kept overriding it. So she said, that's not working. <laughs> So she's going to, I don't know, she's working on it. She obviously has her own opinion. Maybe she thinks she's on it too much and she's going to work on it. I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm not going to help her with that, but I'm not going to control it. Yeah. I just think that this is such a missed opportunity in families when the limits uh, start from like, they, it's a top down thing. Like it's a power thing where it's like, well, screens are really not um, good for you. So therefore we're going to do this. And the parent says that to the kid. To me, that's a really missed opportunity for Mm. conversation, for openness, for sharing, Mm. to really Mm. find out what they're looking at, right? Like the moment that you shut it out, the minute that they shut down, the moment that you prevent it, the moment that they go and find it. So like you're really missing the exploration that really comes from the non-coercive approach, inviting openness. I wanted to make this point earlier is that what I see with my friends' kids is they sneak. That's what I was trying to say. They sneak screens, their friends' screens. I, I just see them trying to take it and go in the other room and sneak it. You know, there's a lot of sneaking. So once you have a kid sneaking from the parent, you're immediately setting up a power dynamic and you're immediately having separation because now they have to get around you to get the thing they want. They have to get they have to get around you to feel like everyone else. I can't it's hard for me to use my childhood as an example because it was so freaking terrible. But I had a whole world and a life that my parents didn't know about from as early as I can remember I was sneaking everything you could think of they wouldn't let me eat sugar I go to my friend's house and binge sugar they wouldn't let me watch tv I was not to watch tv I go to my friend's house and watch hours and hours of really inappropriate terrible stuff I had no way to self-regulate I had no guidance around it because it was just no it was just no 
There was no, like you're saying, like you're saying a total missed opportunity. The only thing is I hear people in my mind right now saying, Kara, they're like, I have a three-year-old. What are you talking, you know, I have a two-year-old and a three-year-old. I can't, we're not going to discuss screen time. Like what the hell are you talking about? Well, I mean, I have a one and a half year old almost, and we still use screens and we don't talk about it either, but it's not an issue um, because so she it's just, not an issue yet, not an she issue doesn't. yet, because it it it's only going to become an issue when it becomes like she doesn't want to turn them off. Right. So that's probably what those parents are talking about. Like I have a three year old. We yeah. can't have a conversation. And when I say let's let's turn them off, they don't want to. And they they demand more and more and more, I assume. Yes. Yes. Right? So when yes. you were, when you were, when um, Tori was younger and you had that, I mean, I know she was around five, but what, how did you approach it? You have to remember that I went, I, I had been controlling her and had a kind of spiritual awakening. So yeah. I took everything, all the stops off all at once. I said, you can watch as much video as you want. I went right into like, totally not letting her watch video at all to like, just saying, watch as much as you want. I went nuts, you know? So she would watch it until she was done. And then that was it trying to remember what happened in the beginning. I mean, yeah, as soon as I said you can watch it, she, of course, did what Vivek told me she would do, which is that she would cling to it because she was so scared I was going to take it away again, that she would, you know, hoard it, hoard it. She did the same thing with sugar. She was like, you haven't let me eat sugar for five years. You haven't let me watch screens for five years. I'm going to hoard the shit out of this. And this is what people are really scared of. If I don't control it, then my kid will just watch videos from morning till night. They will never stop. And that is what happened. That is not what's happening now, but that is what is what happened. She went nuts on these things because she had been deprived and she was reacting and she was wanting to take back the controls. And that took years for her to stop feeling like, like it took years for her to feel like she could take her grip off of those things. Yeah. In my head saying like, well, I'm not prepared to let, to have my kid watch as much as they want. I'm just not prepared. When I'm thinking about the kids of the parents of the younger kids, like around my my kids age or a little bit older toddlers and preschoolers, I hear that because I would not too want Aaliyah watching screens all day long and YouTube after YouTube after YouTube. So to that, I would probably bring into the collaboration thing because the way that we do it is we just watch it until she's ready. I just ask her, like, are you ready to go? We're going to go outside soon. Like, when are you ready? Because she understands. I've said this before on the show. She understands everything and she can say yes or no. And she will tell me no. And I'll say, oh, you want a few more minutes? And she's like, yeah. And then usually we get to a point in the show that she's watching that she's done. And then when she gets to that point, I'm like, do you want to be all done now and go outside? And she'll just say yes. But for some families, they'll say to me, well, my kid won't ever say yes. My kid will say, no, no, no. I want more, 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 more. So I would try to collaborate and see if you can ask them if they're like offered the other options of the day. Do you want to go outside? Do you want to go to the park? Do you want to do the other things? Like that's how I would navigate that. And if they truly said no, 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 no. And just watch the screen. Yeah. That's going to require a deeper conversation about like, well, what are you going to do? Are you just going to accept that this is part of your journey for now? If you want to jump into non-coercion in the true sense and see what happens, you know? Like, what do you say to that? If your kid is actually wanting the screen from dawn until dusk and not saying yes to other options. Right. That, Like, that's the most extreme that you could kind of think about. And it happens. It's true. It does happen. No, it does. It does. I offer collaboration always as like the first kind of like line of response. But when that doesn't work, you know, let's let's brainstorm that out loud. You know, Kara, I've never met anybody who's starting non-coercion at the beginning. So a lot of what happened with me and Tori was because I had already coerced her in many ways, not like totally and completely, but I was a gentle, nice, controlling parent until she was five. So a lot of what came later, like the last, the next four years when I switched was her having to process 
all the years of being controlled. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Part of it, what you're saying is she was relinquishing her freedom again, right? So using control on her end to process that experience. So that makes total sense. So you're saying you don't know what would have happened if you had raised her from the beginning in this way that I'm doing with Aaliyah, right? Yeah, that's why I'm so fascinated to see all the things that will happen with you. Well, this is the thing. Like, I am not an expert in doing this. I work with families, obviously. And when we when they come to me and they say that, you know, we talk about all this and we kind of explore. But you're right. I am doing this from the beginning and I have not met anyone who who has with Aaliyah screens are just a, you want it? Sure. Like it's not a big, it's just, it's a, it's like food. We're very just easy and, and relaxed with food in my house. Like I don't get stressed out at all about mealtimes. She eats what she eats. I present what I present. She eats what she eats and I let the rest go. She always has food on the table that she likes. And I know she'll probably eat. And even if she doesn't, I just move on. If she sees a bagel on the counter and wants it, I give it to her. Like I just, I let it, I let her eat intuitively. Like I just, that's how I would do it. And I'm like that with screens. Like she always knows we watch screen time in the morning when I do her hair about 20 ish minutes. She's usually done after about a half hour. Then we usually go outside. And then if she points to the remote and is like at me for the screen, we'll watch a few minutes here or there. Like, it's just like no big deal. And then she's usually she's done. I'm so curious how that's going to unfold. It may no, unfold into the screen obsessed person that, you know, I, I hear about all the time. I'm just remembering right now that the big arguments that most parents have that I've heard is that it's addictive. That's yeah. it. That's the thing everybody says. Have you read the studies? You know, screens screens are addictive. Have to control it for your child because they will get addicted. And plus we know every single adult right now is addicted to their phone. Come on, we all are. We all are. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I, I actually really love TikTok, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm a total TikToker. But I don't, I don't lose tons of time watching TikToks. I, I'll say I'm going to watch for like 20 minutes or then I'll watch. And I just, I watch things that mean a lot to me, um, people that mean a lot to me. Sometimes I do it for fun, but I'm not addicted. I, I don't feel addicted. Um, but, you know, if you saw me, I'm probably on my phone as much as anyone else for a million reasons, not just TikTok. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so, but the, about the addiction. When we're, my daughter has a phone. She's had a phone for a year. She's almost 12. When we're in the car... I'll say, will you not be on your phone so we can talk? And like nine out of 10 times she goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or she'll be like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to text my best friend and then I'll talk. And so so she, so, and because she doesn't feel controlled by me, she feels okay with that. That's what I was going to say with this whole question of like, what about these younger kids? If your child doesn't feel constantly controlled by you just in general, I do think that you're going to have more success with coming at this entire issue with collaboration in your toolbox, will you get off your phone or will you put your phone away so we can talk is a question. That's a collaborative question. You can ask, yeah. her. you're not saying get off your phone, Tori. Come on, man. I want to talk to you. Right. If you ask me a question, you have to be willing to hear a no. Sometimes she says, mom, I'm in the middle of texting my friend. I just got to finish this. And, and sometimes it takes the whole car ride and that's just, the, you know, she gets to decide, but most of the time she puts it away. And because she wants the connection and we've negotiated that, that that's, we both value that. Well, this is why I think like that conversation. And I know I keep coming back to it because it's sticking in my head right now. It's like, I'm attached to this idea of parents saying, well, sorry, but if I let my kid watch screens all day, they will from, you know, dawn until dusk, blah, blah, blah. I think it's because there is not the emphasis on the connection and the collaboration. And instead there is that emphasis on coercion in the family, like in the relationship. Mm -hmm. When kids are collaborated with 
and that's the norm and they know to expect that inside of their relationship with their parents and it's not the power dynamic that we traditionally see. I think kids are more likely to actually tune into the needs of what the parent is is collaborating on them with, right? I know that it's really hard. I know that there are instances where you might not you might hear no, right? The kid might actually stay on the screen all day. And that's going to suck for you when you want to see your kid doing other things and also spend time outside of screens with your kid. But when you truly engage in a non-coercive and collaborative way, I really think that you're going to have more opportunities for real collaboration that result in getting your needs met as well versus the screen time hard limit situation. Because then anytime you drop your rope on that, they're going to take advantage because they're like, oh, they're going to take it away. I'm going to hoard it all, like you said. Or they're going to stick to the, the limits and maybe there's not going to be a whole ton of conversation about it at home because they've accepted it, but they're going to go find it another way outside of the house. I really do think you can start, if you're interested in non-coercion, you can start by creating a limit. Mm-hmm. You can be friendly and kind. You go, this is how many much we do a day. I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Unless your kid really doesn't like that. They're pushing against it. They feel controlled by it. And as soon as they feel controlled by it and they're saying no and you're forcing them, now you're already now you're in the coercive dynamic. And then kids will use anything to claim their autonomy. They will use whatever they can have, whatever they can get their hands on. So they will they will try to get to the screen or get to the food or get to the whatever it is you're not letting them do. Or they'll just shut it down. They'll leave your house and they'll be forced to have to navigate those things by themselves. Last night, my daughter started telling me, you know, I want to respect her privacy. So I'm going to make this as general as possible. She started telling me, quote unquote, inappropriate terms that she's heard on the Internet. She said, Mom, I learned this word. It's like a really provocative word. I'm like, what? What? She goes, what does that mean? So I'm saying, oh, that means this. What does this word mean? I'm like, how did you learn this word? She goes, oh, my, probably on my Instagram videos. I said, well, which ones? She's like, I don't know. I learned lots and lots of words. I'm like, I'm like, are you watching anything that's that I should know about? Or like, do you feel uncomfortable with it? She's like, no, it's all really. I don't know how it got in there, but I learned this word and that word. And so I started having to define all these these words for her and explain what they are. And we got we got into it. I mean, it made me really anxious that she's learning that, you know, without me somewhere. But then I feel so relieved that she's asking me and telling me, I know that if I was controlling her, she would never tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hearing that you tell me about that, I obviously am not the parent, so I I don't get any anxiety. I just get like, I, I wish that I had that. And I wish that my kid had that with me. Like, I wish I had that with my parents and I wish my kid had that with me. And I wish that all children had that with their parents because that is such a good example of how human beings should feel that they can explore and play and freely engage with stuff and then talk about it with their people at home without fear of shame or judgment. Yeah. Like she said, what is, you know, like at some point, this was not last night, but the, you know, what does slut mean? What does the word slut mean? So then I have to figure out in those moments, how the fuck I'm going to explain it. It's really hard, but I'm like, Oh, thank God. She's asking me. It was all those kinds of questions. Kara. Mm -hmm. Wow. We're in it together. Thank God. Because here's the thing. If you just say, no, you can't, no, these are screen limits and this, and the child feels really controlled and then they start hoarding it and then they start hiding it and then they become a teenager and then they go to your friend's house, then they're going to be hiding all the shit that they're being exposed to. They're not going to come ask you about it. But the internet is dangerous. Mm -hmm. I mean, my daughter, like, you know, like she knows what porn is. Mm -hmm. 
She's never seen it. She said that last night. I said, well, what are you watching? What did you see? She goes, mom, it's not porn. Don't worry. But that's, but it's like really important for her to know what it is though. Yes. I think it's incredibly important for her to not be in the dark. That's, that's the thing with this. When you start setting limits and having hard lines on things and non-negotiables, you do close off the um, ability to, for that child to come with you with questions, come to you with questions because you've already said like, not in my house or like, not after these times or like, don't, you know, push, push me here. Don't push me there. Like there's an implicit like expectation for this kid to go off and do what you've said. Therefore, like, why would that kid then come to you freely and ask questions about it? Because you've already kind of told them that you're closed. Not only that, but like you broke the rules. Yeah. You watched something you weren't supposed to be watching. You broke the rules. So now your kid's not going to tell you what they did while they were breaking the rules. Because also, you know, the context of breaking the rules might be like, oh, I watched it at my friend Haley's house after you told me I wasn't allowed to watch screens that day. Right. There's more. There's there's so much more to the conversation that you're then missing because you've already set all these limits around it. What if they break that rule? Like you said, find out about it. And then they have these really scary questions, but they're not going to God forbid they ask you because they broke the rule. And the consequence for breaking the rule is less screen time. So why yeah. the hell are you you're not going to tell? Yeah, and like, that is really sad to me that like kids feel like they can't talk about certain things with their parents. It's so, it's not just sad. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's fucking dangerous when children are, feel so controlled that they can't bring their, their most scary experiences to their parent. This is the, this is it. Oh my God. I'm so moved because I feel so much shame around the screen time that I allow my child. And I feel like this conversation is helping me get underneath the shame about why I'm doing this. That's why I asked you at the beginning. Like, that's why I challenged you because I was like, I, you have great, you have like, you have thought the fucking shit out of this. Like you have responses to all of this. It's really just your self-hating voice and also um, the societal input, I think that's coming out there. Um, when I see comments like on your videos or any anywhere, people saying like, well, I really hope that you're at least like limiting a little bit. Maybe, you know, what types of what kind of time are you talking about um, in the context of how much screens you're certainly only allowing her maybe three hours a day. Right. You're certainly following the AAP recommendations. Right. Like people will say that to parents who say like, oh, my kid has no limits. It's not about the limits. It's about the thought that you put into the thing that your kid is engaging with. I really hate when people put like bad and good labels on things. What is the child's uh, internalized voice about now they're going to grow up feeling intense shame whenever they watch screens and whenever they eat or all, when you're controlling and shaming and judging, that becomes the child's self-hating voice that they, inter- that's, that's the voice they're going to treat, how they're going to treat themselves uh, with the screen or anything else when you have the judgment. And again, I I really think boundaries and limits are absolutely fine if it's not putting a wedge in your relationship. That's fine. Like that's what collaboration is all about. Yep. Yeah, ask your kid if this works for them, try that. You know, I I think this much screen time is good for your brain. What do you think? Let's try it, let's try it and evaluate together how that feels. I want you to get outside and have fresh air and blah, blah, blah. What, what, how, do you want to try that? Let's try this schedule. You know, when you were just saying like, it's all the same issues, right? Like there's never a good time to set a limit. And then you were saying, well, you can set a limit, but of course you have to talk to your kid. What's, um, what's the barrier there? Like for the parents, like, are they not sure how to do that or like what you mean or 
The barrier is always the same, which is, I mean, there's many typical universal barriers to treating your child as a whole human being. But in terms of screen time, people don't even know, they, it doesn't even literally occur to them to ask their child. It doesn't occur to them to collaborate with their child. I had the most amazing session with someone just a couple of, like a, a couple of days ago. It was this person who's totally doing non-coercion with their their 14 year old. It was just such a beautiful session, but um, she can't get her kid to school on time. I mean, they're like in the battle of wills every single morning. And then I get to that point in the session, I'm like, have you asked your child? Like, hey, this is hard. I'm noticing it's like we're both not having fun and it's really painful. What do you think we should do? And getting into like a whole conversation about how it feels to both of you. And she's like, no, I hadn't thought of that. And that's the that's the common barrier is to think to include your child into your world, mm -hmm. into the world of whatever the challenge is. And, you know, I can hear people arguing with me, you know, no, children don't have the intellectual wherewithal. They don't have the experience. They don't have the information. You can't let them negotiate. You can't let them have input. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, so. Or they might say, like, I don't believe my child has the capacity to do that. Like, right. I might say that to my kid and they'll say, well, I don't know. Well, they'll say, I just want to watch it as much as I want. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll just give some, like, answer that isn't satisfying. But a lot of times it's not necessarily about the screens. And that's the thing I was explaining to the parents last night in my parent support group is it seems like it's about the screens. It seems like it's about the suites, but usually it's your child fighting for autonomy and picking something that they feel really controlled around and hanging on to it and fighting for it as hard as they can because they need to feel a sense of self. They need to feel uh, autonomous. Rathia, one thing I want to know what you say to parents is when parents ask you, well, what about I try to collaborate with my kid and I tell them, you know, what do you think we could do? And this is how it's it's hard for me. I've noticed it's tricky. What do you, you know, you know, what do you think about that? And their kid just says, I don't know. I don't know. I want to watch TV. I don't know. And they just kind of shut down. That's the thing is like you have to, it's like starting over. If you decide you're going to go non-course, you're starting the whole relationship over. And there is a period of time where you let go of control and things go nuts. Things go crazy. Because it's like you have to think if it was you and someone had been controlling your screen time for five years and now they decide they're going to let go. Well, yeah, you're going to overwatch just like you're going to overeat sweets and just like you're going to overdo whatever the thing is that's been controlled. I mean, it took my daughter years to finally start to ask herself how she wants to regulate her screens because she she knew it was so triggering for all the adults in her life. So she held on to it really, really tight. Now she feels free to explore it herself. But it, that took a long time. On the show once you said, like, we should allow children. Children should be allowed to have a fucking process. Yeah. Which when parents say to me, because I get this a lot in my work, like, well, my, I, I try to collaborate with my kid. They just say, I don't know. Well, I encounter that a lot in therapy with teenagers and younger ch children. Like, I don't know is something that kids say. People say, adults say. But I think with non-coercion, like, that's the process. I, I don't know is a fine answer keep talking about it, keep revisiting it, keep collaborating. If they don't know in that moment, like maybe you don't either, maybe there's no solution to be found in that moment, you know?
but well, you can also try stuff. I always talk yeah, about writing, writing down stuff. So well, why don't we try this? Yeah, let's do that for a week. And then let's check in again. Then let's try this and make a whole list of let's try things. Yeah, because I know from my experience, like I'm thinking of particular um, families, like they'll say to me, well, I've tried to collaborate. My kid says, I don't know. And then I don't know where to go from there. I would offer, why don't you suggest something? And if they are super not into it, that's your cue to continue to brainstorm. Like keep the process open, keep exploring and keep bringing it up in moments where you're connected, obviously. So it's not a lecture and it's not, um, it's not an authoritative thing, but it's just trying and it's not pulling, right? It's, it's really being mindful that you're not like digging and digging and pulling and pulling and nagging. It's more just like, okay, like, yeah, maybe I don't know either. Maybe we'll talk about it another time. I think when kids say don't know a lot, it's because they really do feel pressed on and pulled on. Then they they just yeah. kind of shut down. And I go, actually, I, I use that a lot in my work with teens. Like if they're saying, I don't know a lot, I go, okay, I'm pulling back. Yes. And unfortunately for parents, sometimes that looks like in therapeutic work, all teen therapists and kid therapists will say, sometimes that looks like men moving into connection, which is not fixing the kid, which is more like gaming with the kid um telling stories coloring like playing neopets or whatever because then they don't feel pulled on and they're more much more likely to share something later on even if it's weeks like i'm in periods of that all the time in my work where i'm just playing games for weeks and weeks and then you break through into some other moment where you've really been as like a conscious therapist that's obviously our job is to really notice when you're getting the shutdown to reflect and think oh that's my part of my process i need to shift gears. I need to pull back. So for parents, I think like they, they might feel frustrated when we keep saying collaborate and they'll say like, well, my, my 10 year old, they can't like, they actually can't, they keep shutting down. They say, I don't know. I try to collaborate with them, but they, they won't do it or they can't do it. I would say that it's probably because that's part of the process right now. You're still collaborating. You just maybe need to pull back a little bit and move into connection. Probably covert control going on. And the parent doesn't recognize it. They think, oh, my kid just doesn't want to. My kid doesn't like to. They want to do their own thing. La, la, la. I mean, there's, you know, some of that's natural. As kids grow up, they want their own space. But a lot of times, if a child feels controlled, they don't want to share. That's just the result of it. Mm-hmm. That's the result of control. That's the result of coercion. And so I, I, it's funny, I've been trying to make videos on TikTok about how can children really play with their parents if they feel controlled? They can't really let down because they have to be ready to protect themselves at any moment, just like the rest of us. We can't play with people we don't, who have power over yeah. us. Yeah, you can't trust it. <laughs> yeah, being really vulnerable and being really like free to just express yourself when you don't really trust that person. Screen time now is shifting. Okay, my daughter just turned 12 two days ago. Our relationship's really shifting. Her brain is really shifting. You really feel like we're in the friend part of it. And I I never felt it so clearly. It's so amazing. It's really, really feels so good. It feels so good to not having to... I think a lot of the stress of parenting is or has been for me in the past is how I'm, how am I going to adequately control my child? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how am I going to get them to da, 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 da? How am I going to stop them from blah, 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 blah? How, how, why isn't she doing this? Shouldn't she be like that? And the comparing and the, uh, all that stuff, this behavior, this is a bad behavior. How am I going to get that behavior to stop? You know, all of that. And then all my childhood stuff, you know, so, and so I'm finally at the point because she's 12 
where I'm actually trusting her and I'm trusting myself. So like that, whatever I've worked on all these years, there's now this big bubble of trust that I can lean into and it carries both of us. And so I'm so much less worried about screen time than I used to be. That was like my main trigger for years and years and years. This was the screen time. So it's funny. I noticed a lot of times, I think I might've already said this on this episode, but like when I go to engage with my daughter, she puts her phone down and engages with me. That's just how it is. She doesn't set, she doesn't keep looking at her phone and doesn't listen to me and uh, that doesn't happen. She'll literally hit stop, put it down. And we sit down, we talk or if I invite her to do things, she does them or she invites me to do things. Or, But what's happening with her screen time now is that she's um, learning how to self-structure. So she's actually been getting these apps that you put in your calendar, your schedule, and then you follow it. And I just want to say something about I've unschooled my daughter her whole life. She's never been to school. Now she's decided she wants to go to public school in the fall. It may or may not happen, um, but so she wants us to try to catch her up. So me and her dad and my partner, well, we're all like picking different things we're teaching her and learning, like looking up the curriculums and all that. But whenever I go to teach Tori or do it with her and she resists, she goes, oh, I don't want to do this right now. I'll say, you don't have to do it. It's up to you. And then she'll think about it and she'll go, oh, no, I really want to do it. So she's completely leaning it. This is so rare that a child would get to decide if they want to do structured learning or not. So this is like a crazy experiment. So she gets off her screen all the time. That's what I'm noticing. She puts it down and gets off it for all kinds of reasons. And she's decided that. And then, yes, she also puts screen limits on for herself. I have so many parents who really want that, what you're saying. Yeah. And they're, um, it's tough in my work because I'm not working directly with them, right? They're my, I'm working with their children. So I'm hearing through the kids and then I meet with the parents and I do some support work with the parents when I can. What I run into is it's traditional parenting. And so um, they want me to go work with the kid to help the kids set the limits and figure that out. But really what they're missing in all of that, which you really get, is that the control and the coercion is undermining what they really want to instill, which is that intrinsic motivation. So that's what I just wanted to name when you were saying that really what she's experiencing is I want to adjust my habits so that I can achieve X or I can spend time with friends or I can do whatever it goes hand in hand with the school. Like she has this goal and now she's trying to navigate what she's currently her day to day is. And a lot of my clients, their parents will say they're addicted to screens. They don't want to change. They have no interest in changing. There's no intrinsic motivation at all. Their parents are coming to me saying, I need you to change them. What we're doing at home isn't working. You're the expert, go and change them. And that's, what they're missing is everything you just said. It's almost impossible as a therapist to support any growth in that area if parents aren't open, like we always say, to talking about the control and the power and the dynamic and the collaboration. Like that's what needs to shift in the home. So it's just kind of me naming that, you know, parents out there, if you're listening, like why you've been able to access and unlock this intrinsic motivation in Tori is because you've given her the tools, right? By stepping back. I mean, I sort of given her the tools. I've just mostly given her the space. That's what I mean. That That's how you've given her the tools. She's, I guess, how interesting motivation works is like, we can't teach it. You know, you cannot teach somebody to want to change a habit. They have to want to change a habit. Right. So as parents. Parents don't understand that. They really, really don't understand that. That's why like understand. with screen time, then we were talking about food and we're talking about sleep and all these things with limits. Like 
you just can't teach somebody to want to change. Right. And therapists know that, you know, when we work with things like motivational interviewing, different modalities that really work with that process of change, like the states of change and the theory of change, therapists trained in those modalities know that you can't teach somebody to intrinsically motivate towards an external goal that's been placed for them. So my teen clients who really struggle with screens, I'll ask them like, what do you think about your screen habits? They'll be like, yeah, it's fine. I don't mind it. And the thing is, I guess I've always, and especially since she's five, prioritized our relationship yeah. over everything else. That's the part where I've guided her in that way. So actually that's what's important to her at those moments where she would rather talk to me than be on her screen because she's learned through experience that gives her something that's better <laughs> or that she needs right then. Uh, and she also, values that. even if it's not like, you know, something that is a preferred activity, for example, you, she might turn off her screen and then go to mom because she has a good relationship with mom and that's fun for her. So that's like motivating. But Tori also has been able to talk to you and explore and learn through you and your relationship because it's been, there's been no power struggles. I mean, maybe here and there, but for the most part, she's very open to going to you to just talk and explore and learn and be, you know, next to you, like a client and a therapist. I think about that a lot in my parenting. It's like just openness. You're just a container for whatever. So when she then you know, wants to think about her own limits when it comes to screens and her own usage, you're there to just totally non-judgmentally explore that with her. So it's not just about turning off the screen, going to hang out with mom because mom's fun and cool. It's because mom's there to help me learn about what I really want. And I'm learning with through my relationship that is so open with my mother that I don't love the way that screens isolate me, maybe, or whatever it is. Maybe right, she has the freedom to, she right? She has the freedom to explore that without consequences without, and judgment. Yeah. And shame and like just any sort of like input. I think parents yeah. forget how, like we always talk about like the push and pull when parents put input into something. I think you mentioned this too, when you were saying when she was younger, it was like any, any hobby she had that you were really into. And you'd be like, Oh, I love your singing. You should sing more. She'd be like, Nope. You know, like when we push and pull <laughs> agenda, our, agenda, agenda. Yeah. Right. Parents forget the power that that has. I do want to say though, that I would have to say the screen has been the number one trigger for me in, in every single bit of this journey. Uh, I felt so, so scared that I was doing it wrong. I felt shut out and then it would trigger my abandonment. I mean, there's so many triggers. That's what I, last night when I was in my parent support group and I was talking about this with the parents, people said they felt relieved because they're so, they're judging themselves all the time. So they would say, see their kid on the screen. And then the first thing they do is judge themselves and go, I'm doing it wrong. I will say, I feel the same too. I, I get really anxious about screen time. We all know the the scary dangers of screen time like we're and and yeah because it seems like bad parents right that's the biggest thing that I struggled with yeah it took is me that what very... it was for you that you felt like you like were letting her do it and so you were like being neglectful or it was damaging oh yeah yeah you talked oh, about a hundred different before. things oh yeah. no her brain I'm fucking up her eyesight I'm fucking up her brain she's watching things that are destroying her self esteem she's watching things that are giving her the worst views on humanity didn't wasn't going to pull it away from her. So then I had to just deal with how much it was triggering me all the time. My kid was not for a very long time, not willing to negotiate with me about the screens. Right. 
he would just be like, no. Yeah. Get do what I want, you know, for like, you know, a good three years. Yeah. And so, you know, and sometimes I, for reasons I had to get her off, you know, which was really, you know, we have to go do stuff. But, um, but that was the thing she held on to the most, I would say. Mm. It's fine to set loving limits as long as you know that if the power struggles begin and it starts to erode your relationship, that you're willing to let that go and, and try other things. Yeah. Like if you can just say, hey, we're doing two hours. Of, we're doing two hours of screen time a day. Do you want one in the morning, one at night? What do you want? And they're like, yeah, great. I mean, if you can get away with that for three years and that feels good to you, great. But my kid was not like that. Yeah. Yeah. I also hope, too, that we can sort of validate um, parents feeling like they're shitty parents and like neglectful and stuff. When you have a child who like isn't like that, you can feel like I'm thinking about my own experience, like when Aaliyah really struggles with a thing and I don't want to upset her. So then I feel like I am just letting her do whatever, even though I know it's neither here nor there really in the long Can you way. give an example? How we pr approach screens now. And I guess when we originally started this episode, it was a few months ago or something. So it's kind of like, Aaliyah, um, we're going to go downstairs and get ready to go outside or whatever it is. Like, we're going to transition. So I let her know. And I say, and then we're going to have to say bye to the show that she's watching. Because I always still, she watches TV in the morning when I do her hair. And to get off now, she's entering 20 months. She's 20 months now. So it's like really hard for her to transition off of a screen, obviously. Um, so I like to use a timer, which she is really cool with. She really likes the timer and that's been really working. But if she's really not into it, like she'll tell me, she'll be like, no, no, more, more. I'll ask her if she wants a few more minutes and I will kind of collaborate with her there. And then we usually reach a peaceful solution. Like she's able to transition and then do the other thing without like crying or a struggle. And we'll sing our bye-bye song. We always sing to things to help her transition. So that's cool. That works well for us. Just that like when we give our kids extra time, we let them, we whatever, we go in our head, all right, fuck it, it's not worth the struggle. I'm just going to like let them have the hour or whatever or the 20 extra minutes or the five or whatever it is. I don't know if other listeners can relate, but I will definitely go into the fuck. I'm I'm such a permissive parent. Like I'm, I'm so neglectful. I really need to strong arm it and like just get her to the next thing because I need a teacher that like she needs to just like when I say it's done, it's done. And I go into the traditional mindset and I stress myself out and I also feel the shame and the guilt around not being almost like have that compliant kid who just like does what I say. That's that's almost like I should just be making her do whatever I want. And just she should be not crying about it. You know, she should just be like a robot going through the day and doing it. I just want to say we all, all parents have that. Why we all can't have that, kid, right? Yeah. Why can't my kid just do what I tell them to do? I know what's better for them anyway. Yeah. Why is it such a and fucking battle? And all and that turns things. into that turns into why can't I just make my child the person that I have in my head? Exactly. Yeah. So I guess I wanted to just validate parents. If you have that story like I do, and then you go into the shame, um, I guess what's the shame voice? I'm trying to think what's the part. It's kind of like, oh, I'm a shitty mom, you know, like if I was more consistent, if I had the right tools, I was saying to Vivek on a call about this recently, like, like if I could just brainstorm or collaborate in a different way or you know, have a better transition or a more preferred activity or a more creative way to transition her. I could prevent her from being upset and I'd get her to do what I want. Like I just shit all over myself basically in my head. 
And if parents have other shame stories or whatever, you feel like you're neglectful, they've watched too much TV today. I have that one too. I'm like, oh, fuck, she's already watched 30 minutes or yesterday she was sick and she watched an hour. And I'm like, oh my God, again, I should have never done TV in the first place. I'm a terrible mother. Then I don't know. I just want to validate you because collaborating with your kid uh, really is not in alignment with that script. Like that script tells us that we need to strong arm and be the authority and that collaborating and letting your kid, I'm doing air quotes, um, letting your kid get away with extra time. Just that script wants to like punch that solution in the face. You know, that's how I feel. I feel like, again, I'm, I'm doing that have one idea and I have another idea and they're not in alignment with each other. Kara just said like one hour, like she was feeling bad about one hour. And I just want you to know that my daughter watches the 16 million hours a day. So there's, you know, and my daughter's much younger, right? She's only 20 months too. So we're, right, we're out and about and like we, she comes along with everything I do too. So that, right. That's, but that's Kara's, yeah. that's yeah. Kara's quotient and mine is really different and yours is really different and everyone gets to do it their own way. Yeah. And also, uh, People have, you know, the authoritarian mindset that you're pointing to, Kara, is and in gentle parenting. So the whole whole idea of gentle parenting is yeah. you would say, no, I'm counting down from 10. And when we get to one, we're turning off the screen and then you just turn it off. Someone was telling a story on TikTok how their child was in the bath and the kid didn't want to get out of the bath. And oh, two different parents said the same thing. And then they just went and they just unplugged it. They didn't. The kid was going down and they just went and they just said, okay. And they just unplugged it. I'm like, I would never do that um, because it's basically just using your power over your child and giving them the experience of being completely powerless because they didn't feel they didn't want their kid to get upset or they didn't feel they had the skills to whatever, work that out. In this whole mindset, negotiation is not considered a failure of the parent, like being weak. It's mm -hmm. actually growing growing connection and equalizing the playing field the equalizing the power even with a toddler yeah so if you're willing to go back and forth okay let's try this now it's just okay we'll do five more minutes da, 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 and go back and forth and in, in, even though the judgment will be i'm so weak i'm not being a strong parent you're actually helping your child slowly learn how to feel powerful and have a voice that's that's what we're doing here yes uh, thank you for summarizing that so well I'm at the point where my daughter's 12 and all of the good things about it are coming to life. And so I'm in a good, really good place to say, Hey, it's, it's worth, worth it. the investment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I ask you something? Cause you know, about the bath one, like that's yeah. obviously, um, the parent, I'm sure when you pull the plug on your kid, the parents like, well, we have to get to bed or you have to get your teeth or whatever. It's like, they feel like they don't have another option. Right. Same with the screens, you know, people will just be like, well, I'm turning it off and I'm hiding the remote and like, you know, I'm just going to end the activity. Like, what do you say to that when parents come to you in the sport groups and are like, well, Ruthie, I don't know what else to do. Like, sometimes I just need to pull the plug on the bath and I just need to turn off the TV because like we just have to, we just have to, have to, have to go somewhere. You know, it was really cool. There was a person in my support group last night. You know, a lot of these people are just beginning at the very beginning of thinking about non-coercion. And she said, I'm just starting to every time I'm about to say no, I stop and go, do I have to say no? I do that too. No. So wait a minute. I just said, no, wait, you have to get, you have to come with me to, to run errands. And then she realized this, her husband was home and that her kid did not have to come with her. And, um, 
she said she's she hasn't really gotten to the point where she doesn't force her kid, but she's at least noticing. She's at the beginning part of just noticing her wanting to say no and asking herself, do I have to? I feel like that's such um, a big thing, too. That's the beginning of this journey where you start <laughs> yeah. going, why do I why am I asserting my power this way? Why do yeah. do I have to? Is this yeah. absolutely necessary? So if it is absolutely necessary, like, I don't know, why, why would it be absolutely necessary to get your kid out of the bath? I'm trying to think. Um, because I don't know, you're exhausted, your other kids crying, they're freezing in the bath or, you know, and you feel like you absolutely have to, I think it, you know, I think usually you don't really have to, like you could, you could keep negotiating for probably another 20 minutes and it would be fine. Everybody would live, but let's just say you really, really had to, then you just have to explain it. Even if it's a little kid, I'm so sorry. I have to get you out of the tub because I'm tired and your brother's crying and I'm so sorry, honey. I wish I didn't have to. I know that's not fair. I know you're so, you know, then, then yeah, but you can't, that really sounds like the gentle parenting way. So I'm very, you're saying that you go through a lot of other steps in non-coercion before you get to that point. And it's only when you know, you absolutely have no other way. Like it's, it's not just have to, because it's lunchtime or we have to, because it's bedtime. It's just keeping, it's like, like I made a post about this on Instagram. I said the exact same thing. I think I was using, get your coat on when it's freezing as an example, you just do a million other ways. Like Um, I made a post about this and I said the exact same things I said, I I could pull it up, but I deleted Instagram off my phone because I just do that sometimes. And, um, it was like, you know, use playfulness, use, um, connection in all these other ways, use like all these different approaches that are creative and, you know, try to make it fun, take them outside and see what it's like to be freezing in minus 20 for a few seconds. You know, I'll do that with Aaliyah. I, lots of times our caregiver, nanny, whatever you want to call her. She does that with Aaliyah. She'll take her out in the morning when we say goodbye, because saying goodbye to me is hard. She takes her with her without a coat every day. And just for a few seconds while they walk away, we're waving at the door. And then she puts her coat on when she's regulated again. And they've connected now and they look they look for cats on the way. And it's very like, it's just a lot less stressful for Aaliyah because I think putting the coat on for her is just something she really, really hates. So I just try to use a million different things. And if I'm out of steam and I'm super tired, I've been there. It's happened a few times. I'll just tell her like, I'm so sorry. You hate to wear your coat and I know you hate it and I'm going to put it on now. And I hate putting on your coat and I wish I didn't have to. And I hate winter too. And I'll like stomp my feet with her and I'll kind of yell with her a little bit like quietly. And sometimes she does cry and I just put it on or I'll be able to tell her something while putting it on to distract her, I guess, to redirect her or just to connect with her, whatever you want to call it. I think they understand that we are connecting with them. Right. And that you're actually trying to preserve her sense of self. You're actually trying very, very hard. See, people will say, what's the big fucking deal? Put the kid's coat on. They'll cry for a second. Who the hell cares? Like children have to learn that you just have to do things and life is hard. Stop coddling your children. Um, That's the authoritarian party line there. And the the thing is, is that every interaction you have with your child is going to affect their sense of self. Like, so, so it seems like nothing to, to go through all of that, to put on their coat. It seems like that's ridiculous, but the truth is you're, you're, um, truly respecting that your child is a whole person in all of those teeny tiny little things. Yeah. You're treating them like a person that matters, that has a body, that has a choice. Um, and you're seeing that and that that's going to be everything to them as they grow up.
when my daughter was around five and I decided to really lean hard into non-coercive conscious parenting, I told my daughter, I'm not going to control your screen time. We're going to start to figure it out together. And so she wrote this song spontaneously with my housemate at the time, who was a great guitarist, um, singing about her point of view on video watching. And you can just hear the passion. The video is also on my TikTok and she is the cutest thing ever. Um, so this is her plea for just freedom. It's not the best quality, so I hope you can hear the words. She's saying things like, I want video every day. You can't stop me from being me. <laughs> This has been Your Kids Don't Suck. You can find me, Kara Tedstone, at www.karatedstonetherapy.com and on Instagram at karatedstonetherapy. On my website, you'll find links to recommended readings and a link to my Reparenting with Mindfulness workbook, available now on Amazon. You can find me, Rathia Lee, at www.rathia.com. That's R-Y-T-H-E-A. Com. There you'll find published books, articles, and music, and parenting videos. Also, I'm on TikTok at Rathia Lee, on Instagram at Rathia Lee. You can book parent mentoring sessions with me through my website. And also, I have an advice from a loving bitch YouTube show that helps people heal self-hatred, and that's Rathia.com slash advice. It is important and essential to put our voices, Rathia and Kara, in a context. We are two white, cisgendered, straight, middle-class women living with financial and societal privilege. Because of this, our perspectives are limited and do not reflect the realities of all of our listeners. This podcast will feature guests with expertise around conscious parenting who differ in race, class, abilities, sexual orientation, and histories from us to broaden the conversation and reflect the lives of as many people as possible. 25% of the proceeds of this podcast will go to creators of color who have been mentors and influences on our work and in our growth as parents. If you like our show, please subscribe and stay tuned for more conscious parenting advice and insights. And check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash your kids don't suck to donate and connect with us.